0: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash audio. Visit IXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: Well, what's going on, everybody? Curtis Wilkerson with Hogsports.com coming to you today with our final pre-Christmas, pre-SEC play episode of Hog Hoops Live Razorbacks are 10-2 and two now, heading into the holidays. They bounce back from a rough night in North Little Rock over the weekend with a promising performance against Elon. Many questions still remain for this team. We're going to dive in and talk about all of that and give you a sneak peek on what lies ahead. All that and more coming your way on Hog Hoops Live. All right, folks, as always, do want to remind you of all the ways to watch or listen. Obviously, you can join us on Facebook Live. Be sure to give us a follow there, also available on YouTube. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our YouTube page and hit the notification bell. Remember, Hog Hoops Live has its own YouTube page separate uh, from what we have going on at Hog Sports. It's where we upload all the videos from these podcasts, uh, the live reactions we do, things like that. Um, if you're a podcast person, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all those platforms at the same place that you find Trey show every week called Sports Live. All right. As always, make sure you throw your questions and comments in the chat so we can get to them at the end of the show. Um, all right, let's, let's just dive into it. Let's talk about it. You know, Arkansas, uh, since the last time we did this show, they played two games. Obviously, the first was that. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it, head-scratching debacle to, to Hofstra in North Little Rock. Uh, you know, Trey talked about it some on his show yesterday. I'm not going to dive too deep into it other than to just kind of say, um, you know, the vibes were bad in the aftermath. Uh, you know, I think the team not only played poorly, um, it just they just looked a little bit uninspired and, and disconnected for long stretches of that game. Uh, You know, wasn't crazy about some of the body language. I I didn't like, to be honest, some of the things Musselman was saying after the game, you know, with his concern about the team's effort, uh, the competitiveness. He seemed a little unsure of what to do. Uh, You know, Arkansas dropped out of all the polls. They plunged down all the rankings, the analytics. uh, You know, it it wasn't a great situation there. I kind of roll my eyes at this because it's so predictable, and I think it's over-dramatized, really. Uh, all across the country, but you know, you start to hear rumblings of, of turmoil in the locker room and clashing of heads. Listen, losing amplifies everything, winning cures everything, right? I mean, it, you'd be shocked at some of the things I've seen and heard in, in a college locker room. So, that kind of talk doesn't really move the needle for me in, in terms of concern, to be honest. Uh, you know, everybody wants to win, everybody's competitive. When things aren't going well, uh, everybody has their own opinions on how to fix it. And, you know, I, I just don't I don't put a whole lot of stock into those things. And and quite honestly, uh, I don't know that anyone really should have because I, I thought they looked a lot better last night. There were a lot of promising things to go off. So, you know, at any rate, what the whole cumulative effect did, though, of, of losing that game to Oklahoma and then losing – Against Tostra, a team you know you shouldn't be losing to Colonial Athletic Association programs, and they're they're good, but come on now. So we know that, uh, but you know it, it just kind of made what I think was probably the most meh game of the schedule against Elon critically important, and and it's not because of the Phoenix themselves. I mean, it, the game already happened. I could tell you the names of probably three of their players, I think, but this game was about Arkansas, right? And, and sometimes it's about how you play and not who you play, right? And, and we really needed to see how the Hogs would respond. Would they bounce back? Would they play together? How was the body language? What did the rotations look like? Because this is it. It was the last evaluative tool before things go to really an entirely different level with SEC play. You know the game itself. Hey, Arkansas wins eighty-one to fifty-five, and in, in what Eric Musselman called by far the best game they've played all year. Great. Or was it? It wasn't all great. You know, we anticipated some lineup changes, and the starters were interesting to say the least. Arkansas went with Chris Likes, J.D. Note, Jackson Robinson, Trey Wade, and Connor Vanover. All right, so all five different starters. From the previous game. Three guys making their first start of the year. And listen, he talked about shaking things up and in the lineup and the rotations. And people have been irritated because you know he's he's done some of that in the past and maybe not giving guys as much playing time or or whatever as as people would like to see. Look, eleven guys played in the first half alone, thirteen played total. So we finally got a pretty decent look at a lot of guys, and and part of that was because the team played well. They haven't been able to do that in previous games because they haven't been able to put these mid-majors and low-majors away. So then they're leaning heavily on on who they perceive to be their top guys, but you don't really know. And so others haven't been able to get extended run. That wasn't the case against Elon on Tuesday. You know, it was was pretty sloppy early on, which – Really, to me, is somewhat to be expected when you're trying a bunch of different combinations, like Arkansas was. You know, some of the regulars were inserted, uh, kind of infused into the lineup for that that original starting group. We, we saw Jay Will, we saw Stanley. Uh, Audis got in there, but but really, when that happened, it started looking like more of the same. And all of a sudden, you look up, Arkansas is trailing twenty six to twenty one with just under uh, just under six minutes left in the half, and I'm thinking, what what the hell is going on here? But at that point is where things change because Muss made some subs. He brings in Jackson Robinson, Trey Wade, and Kamani Johnson to go along with J.D. and Devo in the backcourt. It flipped a switch. And it's kind of an unlikely trio if you think about it, but those guys were tremendous for Arkansas. Kamani right away, I mean, he checks in. He gets the ball in the, in the low post, short corner area, rips it baseline, goes for a score, gets a block on the other end, Gets it up the floor in transition. There's a kick out to Jackson Robinson in the corner. Boom, three Arkansas leads. Just like that, snap of a finger. All of a sudden, Trey Wade gets in there. He gets a baby hook to drop. Arkansas makes six of its last seven shots to close the first half. They block five of Elon's last seven shot attempts to close the half. They ended on a 17-0 run, and all of a sudden, the Hogs have all the momentum. They're up a dozen. It was kind of the run that we've been waiting to see from this team. For a long time before it feels like a few weeks at least now game was over at that point they pulled it out to over 30 points in the second half one by 26 uh, good right that's what you want to see so you know keeping the the opponent and the level of competition in perspective uh, what are the things that we can take away from this game because again the next one is a trip to startville to start sec play and it ain't going to be easy so what can you glean from this game, this performance? You know, first I think that your backcourt trio right now of J.D. Note, Devo Davis, and Chris Likes is, is pretty solidified. Arkansas is shaking a lot of things up. Musselman's tinkering with a lot of different looks, but those guys all played big minutes. Even though Likes got his first start of the year, Devo came off the bench for the first time. Those those guys were were in there for the most part as, as key contributors. Uh, you know, Likes in his first start, man. I, I honestly do kind of feel bad for the kid because he he gets hammered relentlessly by some folks he only took eight shots he made four elon couldn't guard him they kept fouling him he gets to the line 12 times makes them all by the way in 25 minutes he finishes with a team high 21 points uh, i mean that that's about as efficient as it gets from an offensive standpoint you know i, I played really really close attention to him defensively. Look, there are things to work on there. There are things he's just not going to be able to overcome because he's five foot seven. That's not his fault. The coaching staff chose to bring him, right? So, so what did they say? You know, what did Must say in his last press conference? Well, naturally, at that size, some guys are going to be able to elevate and shoot over the top of him. How can we put him in positions to be more successful and make an impact defensively, maybe get out in the passing lanes, be more of a menace on the ball? You started to see some of those things. Against Elon, he was way more aggressive trying to fight over the top of screens, which is something that he needs to do. He's quick, he's slippery, he needs to avoid screens. The one time he got a little bit lazy and, and chose to go under one, he got popped for a three. All right? He was more aggressive on the ball. I think he was taking a, a few more calculated chances and trying to, to jump some things and anticipate some things. Uh, that's a good sign. Sometimes, you know, more physical guards were able to drive on him and get into the teeth of the defense. So there's going to be some give and take there, but I think he made some progress on the defensive end uh, over the course of the night. Now it's got to become more consistent. Not really turning it over, which is good. Uh, You know, I think if, if people are upset about the assist... Yeah, he could distribute a little bit more, absolutely. His primary role, though, here is to score, to be a a playmaker offensively alongside J.D. He's not necessarily being asked to facilitate as much. Can he do more to that regard? Absolutely. But that's Devo's job right now as a whole. He's the guy who worked at point guard all year while they moved Chris Likes off ball over the summer to get him ready for that role. And speaking of Devo, you know, again, he was pulled from the starting lineup. I think he still played like 30, uh, 35 minutes or so. Uh, this was a, a kind of a weird game for him. It was the second game this season that he didn't record a shot attempt. Personally, I thought he was kind of going out of his way to to turn down shots. Uh, I mean, he had a couple of just wide open point blank layups that, you know, he, he kind of just didn't take and, you know, went with a kind of a behind-the-head pass one time. But whatever, at the end of the day, he was really looking to distribute, and that's what this team is looking for. So I don't think it has to be all or nothing with Devo. You want that scoring. You want him attacking the teeth of the defense. You want him knocking down those mid-range jumpers. Those opportunities are there. Take them. But I think he's got the ability to be a really good distributor, table setter for this offense. And he showed that last night with six assists, only one turnover. He was also active on the glass with six rebounds. So I think he's still working on finding that balance. Like I said, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. But again, from just a a team looking for point guard play, um, I feel like that was a positive sign from Devo. It was good. You know, J.D. Note, he finished with 15 points. He was fine. I, kind of a typical game for him. Uh, you know, he hit back-to-back threes early. He hit he hit the first three of the game. Arkansas didn't attempt one for the first five minutes of the game. J.D. knocks one down, and you already know when that happens. He's heat-checking the next time down the floor. He did. He made it for a change, which was nice to see. Uh, but, you know, then he forced some late. Yeah, I think he finished three of nine from three. Uh, five of 13 from the field he did have seven boards and and what i like to see is he cut the turnovers down he had six against hofstra that's way too many cut those down to one that's good that's good progress you know it's interesting i i feel like at times jd note is the most heavily scrutinized conference leading scorer i've ever seen people get upset about some of the shots that he takes the tough shots that he takes but Guess what? Leading scorers take a lot of shots that others don't because they're capable of making them. And, you know, so I actually went and I found a list of the top scoring guards in every major conference. Those five guys in the other five major conferences, we're talking Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, ACC, and Big East. uh, They average 16 shots per game. JD's taken 16.25, so he's right in line what the other leading scorers in conferences are doing. And Terrell Brown from Washington's taking 17 shots a game. Freeman Liberty from DePaul, 16 and a half. Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, he's about right equal with J.D. Notay. So that's just kind of how it works. Uh, I get it. You know, shot selection at times can be <laughs> a little bit crazy, but uh, he's earned that green light to a degree. And, and now that he's starting to get it going a little bit more from three, uh, you can live with those, especially if he's doing things and impacting the game in other ways, getting on the glass. Um, again, you know he, he's not necessarily in there to facilitate the offense. Can he pass more, distribute more? Yeah, that's going to help the team as a whole. And if he continues to do his thing defensively, which he, he had a couple of games here recently where he's dropped off a little bit, uh, but for the most part, he's been really good on the ball. If he's bringing those things too, you live with a few crazy shots from time to time, in my opinion. Anyway, you know, some other guys, uh, Jackson Robinson, I mean, he really made the most out of his first start, had a career high, 14 points, three of six from three. I love Jackson Robinson. Uh, got, got involved in other ways. He's getting comfortable, getting more confident. Watch out. Okay. And like Must said after the game, he thinks that he's getting on maybe the same path as some of those youngsters from a year ago that really started to emerge in the second half of the season. If Arkansas can get that out of Jackson Robinson, they're going to be really good. Because he changes things significantly for Arkansas as a floor spacer, he's up to 38.5% from three now. That's what they need, somebody with length who can spot up, find his spots, and knock down those open looks and spread the floor. Arkansas has got to be able to space the floor in SEC play. You saw what Hoster was able to do when they just packed it in tight with a zone, and Arkansas really struggled against that. Doesn't have to be the case. Because you got a guy like Jackson Robinson who can knock down shots, has to be respected. JD's starting to get it going. You're starting to see a little more consistency from Chris out there. If KK's seeing extended playing time, he's a guy that can knock them down. Again, I said this a million times, they're not going to be just an incredible three-point shooting team, but they can be good enough to where teams have to respect them and can't sell out to protect the paint. That's what you're looking for. Kamani Johnson and Trey Wade, though, I mean, those guys were the stories of the game, right? I mean, talk about older guys, veteran guys, who've really taken a mature approach, kind of waited for their turn, and then delivered when they got the opportunity. You know, Wade was averaging about, like, what, six, seven minutes per game. All of a sudden, he gets to start. He's a vet. They call him Uncle Trey. He's, like, 23, 24 years old, right? I mean, his experience, I think, is really valuable for this team. He's not the most explosive guy in the world, but he's strong and physical inside and around the rim. He keeps the ball moving on the perimeter and he doesn't have to hunt for shots. He can leave that to other guys. Keeps it moving, keeps the offense flowing. He can switch defensively, he can guard at multiple levels, which which I think is something Arkansas needs more guys who are able to do that. He blocks some shots, is on the boards. He finished with seven and five. I thought he was great. You know, Kamani gets his first significant run of the season. Really, he hadn't played in two full weeks. He hadn't made an appearance since the Charlotte game on December 7th. I mean, you can't ask for any more from him. He he gets to the line 13 times. Uh, He scores 15 points, grabs seven boards. He is a junkyard dog in the best sense of the term. I mean, his physicality was on a different level. Uh, It was on an SEC level. That's what you need he rebounds out of his area. He's got a huge rebound radius. He can get to balls that other guys can't. Um, Look, I mean, he's not the most talented guy in the gym, but he flat out goes 100% at all times. It was refreshing to see that. So, you know, what does the future hold for those two guys? Um, Listen, I I don't think that being the stars against Elon is going to put me on the train that you know, Kamani and Trey Wade should start at Mississippi and, and they're going to carry Arkansas to the promised land. But don't you feel a little bit better about the depth and the physicality that this group will have in the paint come SEC play now, now that we've just been able to see them play an extended period? Because I was getting a little bit worried about it after Jay Will. I think these guys can hold their own in there and, and be valuable in your rotation. Like And we've said it before, it doesn't have to be a crazy amount of minutes. But if they can come in and contribute consistently and be physical, and be active on the boards, uh, and just keep things flowing, that's huge for this team. They look the part. And, and so I'm at least going in SEC play with more confidence that Arkansas is going to be all right in the paint. You know, other, other guys, look, I mean, I feel like there's a crowd forming, like almost getting ready to storm. Eric Musselman's pool house if, if KK Robinson doesn't start getting some run, right? It, I mean, it's it's been crazy. You know, the football cliche is like the backup quarterback is the most popular player on the team. That's become KK for this basketball team. That's not a knock at all. I love KK. Absolutely loved him in Oak Hill. Loved him coming to the program. I think he's got a tremendous future. I'm just saying folks have been losing their damn mind over this recently, right? And, th- and that's what happens when there are struggles. And if you're looking for point guard play and then you're looking along the roster you're going, well, who can do that? Well, he does kind of stick out like a sore thumb, right? So it was good to see him get some run. You know, he played double digit minutes for the first time since the Gardner Webb game. What was that the second game of the year? Honestly, I-, I thought he was fine. You know, not, not great, not bad. I was just happy to be able to watch him and evaluate him for an extended, extended chunk of time. What I will say about KK is I do think he's a guy who's only going to improve and grow with more opportunity. And he got he got pulled a couple times with some mistakes where there was, you know, he had a, a sequence with a couple turnovers there. He had one where he kind of forced a shot and then, uh, and then fouled on the other end. Uh, and he got pulled for those, but he was allowed to play through some mistakes a little bit more and just kind of get settled into the flow of the game. So you're able to see it. I think he's starting to shoot that three with more confidence. I said it earlier. I think he's a guy that could really help Arkansas there. He kind of has the the vibe about him, the presence about him, maybe a feel that he could really do a good job of facilitating the offense. Well, I think the thing holding him back maybe right now is he just doesn't have a lot of on-floor chemistry with some of these guys because he hasn't played that much. So that's something that has to develop, right? I think he's a good defender. I think he'd be a really good on-ball defender. He is foul prone. He did pick up 3 fouls in 6 minutes last night, but you know at the end of the day it was encouraging to see and I hope that he's able to build off of that. I hope we continue to see more of him because I, I do think that, you know, while I'll stop short of of where some people are with, you know, got to got a bench JD or Chris or Devo or whatever and you know, thrust him in the lineup, play him 30 minutes a game. I'm not ready to go there, but I do think he can play a valuable role that could expand and evolve as he gets more comfortable. So I hope he continues to see just, you know, some extended rotations. And that way you can really see what you have. And it's going to be difficult at times in SEC play. But again, um, if you are struggling in other areas, you need to see what you have in him, right? There's no question he's incredibly talented. And, you know, I think there is a flip side to it. You know, the emergence of guys in some cases comes at the expense of others, right? You know, Jalen Williams played 20 minutes last night. Um, Didn't really look like himself. He hasn't for a couple games now. And, And, you know, when I think about that, this is a guy who has dealt with bad ankle, back spasms. He's had a heavy workload. I wonder if maybe he's just a little fatigued lately or beat up. I think I have a hunch that you know maybe a few days off here around Christmas and we'll have him recharge moving forward. He's your guy at center, no question about it. I think he's going to be fine. Um, I think maybe he just needs a little bit of rest. I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that he's going to come out with his hair on fire uh, against Mississippi State. You know the two that I found most interesting uh, that, that we probably need to monitor here is it was Aldi's Tony and Stanley Amude. I mean, those two combined for 13 minutes and just two points. Both have been, you know, I would say struggling or quiet lately. Uh, They got their turns early on, but Musk set them both for the entire second half. I was kind of surprised by that. I mean, it worked out, right? But, you know, listen to this quote from Musk after the game, and you tell me if this wasn't a direct message. He said, we had some guys that hadn't had an opportunity to play a lot, and they were hungry, and they played. Some of the other guys who have had a lot of opportunity need to play with more energy because you cannot win in the SEC unless you have toughness and you play with great energy and have a competitive will to win. You can't win in this league unless you possess all those qualities. So, I, I mean, honestly, I think that kind of carries me into the final part of my, my show here which is where does this team stand and and what can we expect come SEC play? Because it's here. There are no other tune-ups. There are only a handful of practices, and then they're on the road to Starkville. You know, must knows, we know, I think that, you know, while this game against Elon helped in terms of, um, you know, like reversing the course of momentum, uh, regaining some confidence that was maybe lost over the last couple games, uh, getting a more extended look for, for guys to at least get a little bit more of a clear picture of what your depth can really be, there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered and, and things that need to be fixed for this group moving forward. You know, must said after the game that they've wrapped the first of four stages to the season. He breaks it down. Stage one is non-conference. Stage two is SEC play. Stage three is the SEC tournament. and Stage four is if you if you did well enough in the first three stages, uh, your postseason continues, right? So he feels like they've wrapped stage one and that he thinks they're one game behind schedule. And I agree with that. I, I think I actually picked Arkansas to be 11-1 and one at this point. I projected them to play Illinois and lose that game in Kansas City. Uh, turns out that didn't happen. They won all the games up until Oklahoma, which is a neutral side game against a Big 12 team. They lost whatever. Uh, the Hofstra one is a little bit of a black eye. And, and I do think something that's impacted them outside of just the win-loss column has kind of been the eye test, right? Because even before Arkansas took these couple losses that they had, uh, people were starting to question them a little bit in terms of, well, they sure haven't looked great. And they haven't really been playing everybody. We saw those things start to kind of manifest but before they took a couple losses. So uh, at the end of the day, though, you are 10-2. And the question is, how do you move forward from here? Uh, you know, go back to to those two guys. You know, I don't, I don't think this team is going to reach its potential if Audis, Tony, and Stanley Amude aren't factors for this team. As, as talented as they are, you know, I think if they simply just, you know, kind of match the intensity of some of the other guys, you know, that 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 played last night, things are going to start going better for them. I mean, we've seen. Aldiz carry this team he did it in in Kansas City to their two biggest wins of the year we've seen explosions from Stanley Uh, both of them have some things to work on defensively as I think everybody else on the roster right Uh, you can always get better on the defensive end of the floor Um, but how can Aldiz assert himself more offensively when teams adjust and start taking away uh, his offensive rebounding and his basket cutting I think that's going to be an important question that that has to be answered. That that's between, you know, what can he do individually and what positions can the staff put him in, because he could be a major factor for this team. And with Stanley, uh, man, you, you really do just have an incredible talent, but he just hasn't settled in. And I, you know, I, I asked that question actually to Mus, um, and he kind of got off topic when he was answering it. But it does just feel like you know we've seen these flashes from him. Uh, but haven't gotten, you know, maybe the big-time impact consistently that we expected, I think it's in there, at least to a degree, how do they unlock it? So those are some of the questions that they have to answer and and figure out, you know, on an individual level. Uh, And, look, I'm not breaking news to anybody, right? I mean, Musk knows this, the staff knows this, Um, and they're just looking for ways, just like the way they've been tinkering with the rotation, finding the right combinations, trying to get guys in the right spots and in the right position to succeed because that's going to lead to wins. <clears throat> I would imagine, you know, that that a guy like Audis or, or Stanley probably disappointed and, and a little embarrassed last night, you know, individually happy for the team, of course, but I think the true test of the player is how they respond to adversity. And, and I, I think they're going to respond well. Uh, unfortunately, we have to wait like eight days to find out. You know, offensively, how do you feel about that point guard position? Is the consistency going to be there? You know, if, if JD and Likes are your starting guards like they were against Elon, is the ball going to move them enough? Is Devo going to be able to, to find that balance and, and consistently sacrifice some shots, not all of them, <laughs> but some of them to help facilitate? Can KK continue to grow his role and, and factor in at some point there? Can this team knock down enough threes to keep defenses honest? We talked about that a little bit earlier, but I think the last few games have been encouraging. The last three games, even though they lost two of them, Arkansas has hit nine threes per game at over 35% shooting. Look, that ain't shooting the skin off the ball, but I'll sure as hell take it after what we saw, you know, for the first nine games of the year. Arkansas is up over 30% from three now as a team, and I'm not going to throw a party about that, but that's progress it's measurable progress, and so can they carry that momentum forward? If they can, I think that would be huge. We talk about three-point shooting, how about the three-point defense? Well, I mean, the last two games against teams who've been averaging about 10 makes per game from three at, at, at roughly 36%, well, I mean, Arkansas is limiting them to 7.5 makes and 31% shooting, so again, uh, you know, they have to show it against an increased level of competition now, but it's measurable progress. So, uh, you know, you're starting to see at least things trend in the right direction. We had one of our, one of my favorite posters on our board, Alma, uh, <laughs> he started a thread the other day and said, Arkansas is in the 300 club and it's not a good thing. They, they rank, you know, higher than 300 and, in, in, uh in poor three point shooting percentage and in three point defense. So I... I think that they've probably gotten down back into the 200s in both of those areas. So, you'd like to be a lot better, uh, but you're trending in the right direction, right? You know, so Arkansas hit an SEC play here with with some things to prove. I, I kind of thought at this point they'd be pretty highly ranked and rolling, but eh, things don't always go according to plan, do they? They're currently at number uh, let me see 89 in the net that's lower than you want to be projected nine seeds so they're gonna have to rebuild the resume a little bit to get back to where they want to be Uh, guess what I mean you have a critical quad one opportunity waiting for you at Mississippi State a winnable game quad one opportunity I think that's a crucial game for so many reasons I mean obviously you really want to set the tone for SEC play the right way don't you It'd be huge for a resume boost, but then you look after that, and you got Vanderbilt, Texas A&M, and Missouri as the next three games, and, and listen, there's never an off night in the SEC, but those are three teams projected in the back half of the league, and so if you're legitimately a you know an NCAA tournament team and, and a team that feels like they can do damage in the league, you win those games, so if they're able to to handle their business against Mississippi state and and then get through those three games that they're going to be favored in without a hiccup. That really sets up what I think is a showdown at LSU on January 15th. LSU who's undefeated and and actually been really impressive uh, doing it in different ways. They're actually playing defense now under Will Wade, which just feels weird coming out of my mouth, but whatever, they're having success. But I think, if Arkansas is able to handle their business, that is the game where they can really reestablish themselves. Because you think about it, if they do that, uh, you know, you're walking into Baton Rouge with an opportunity to, to take on a, a ranked opponent. I'm, I imagine they'll probably still be ranked at that point. Uh, on the road, another quad one game, and Arkansas would be 14-2 and and 4-0 and in league play at that point. So you're kind of rolling a little bit. I guess my point of it all is, you know, things haven't been pretty, maybe haven't gone the way we've expected or or the team has expected. There are things to work on and things to improve, but everything this team hopes to achieve is still 100% on the table. And I think they took a step forward in this game against Elon uh, in terms of coming together as a team, figuring some things out in terms of who can play for you, who can't, who needs to step up, and and maybe some combinations that will work. And now it's all about just building momentum and taking it one step at a time. It's a process. And I know it's hard to be patient at times, especially when you come in with so much, so much hype, right. And and the expectations that this group had, but you know, while this isn't the same team as last year, uh, last year is a prime example of how a group can evolve over the course of the year. And Muscleman's teams typically do that, set it a hundred times. He's won 20 games at least every year he's coached. His teams play better basketball at the end of the year than they do at the beginning because it takes him a while. He usually is a guy that has a lot of, of new pieces to get acclimated. It takes a while to get that thing to gel, and, and you can't control when it happens. And you can't control if it happens, but I think it will with this group. They've got the pieces. All right. Got any questions today? Looks like we do. Michelle, Michelle says easy to forget about the Hofstra game after last night. Good mix-up of the lineup and Jax. Talk about stepping up. Yeah, I Michelle texted me last night. She's she was watching the game from home, and uh, and Jax was lighting up those threes. I I love that. It, I mean six six long and just has a pretty. I mean it's an Isaiah Joe type release and and I. I I hold that man in high regard. So uh, that's a compliment to Jackson Robinson. You know, if if he would have hit that 4-3, the roof would have come off Bud Walton Arena. And and just, I don't know, there's just something about it. I think if he can really establish himself, it's going to help this team a ton. And maybe, you know, do you keep him in the starting lineup? I would. (laughs) But at the very least, I I think he's a guy that's got to play significant minutes for you. Uh, moving forward, especially while some other guys are trying to figure it out, like Tony, Stanley Amude. Uh, if you've got a guy that can step in and, and knock down threes and space the floor, that's huge. Gil McGarity says, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, bud. Appreciate it. Tyler Tober says, do you think Muss's desire to keep a small rotation is one of our issues? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, um, not necessarily. I mean, if if you really look at it, uh, you know, teams that typically find themselves deep, making deep NCAA tournament runs, most of those groups rely on six, seven, maybe eight players. You know, and and that's what Eric Musselman likes to get to eventually. Uh, I think what he really likes is to have his top six or seven uh, just solidified. You know who they are, you know what you're going to get out of them. He'll play an eighth guy or a ninth guy, that's a role that typically evolves over the course of the season, maybe based on matchups. Um, I think it's been a hindrance maybe early on this season because you have all these guys, like a KK that we saw last night, Jackson who's starting to emerge. We talked about Kamani and Trey Wade, who we just haven't seen that much of. And so you'd like to see you know, expanded <laughs> rotations early in the season like we did against Elon that way you can figure out what you have in these guys. And I, I but I do understand where he's coming from because you know what you have to evaluate going into the season is past performances and everything that you've seen over the summer and in practice. And so that's what dictated the rotations early. And you know, those guys were ahead of the ones who weren't playing in the pecking order. Well, then you get into games and, and your main guys are struggling. And, and you just might not have as much trust or confidence in going deeper in your bench uh, in some of these games. So it, it's kind of a give or take. I guarantee you that they've had every intention of, of wanting to expand this thing a little bit more. The opportunities haven't really been there. Uh, and, and it's a risk if you, if you go with an unknown sometimes, even over a guy who you know what, what he's capable of, but he might be struggling at the time. And I think that's something that's been difficult for some people to understand. I I get it. Um, At some point, though, you just have to make some tweaks and adjustments and roll with it, and that's what they were able to do last night, which is good to see. Unfortunately, that's what you're going to have to build off because come SEC play, it's all about winning games. Andrew Sawyer said they look good with Chris playing with those guys. Yeah, I, I thought Chris looked really good. Um you know, like I said, he he gets beat up. You know, for his for his defense and listen, I I 100% agree with everybody. There's some limitations there. I, I think there are some things he can do um, to help negate some of the bad with with some things that he can do well. Um, but offensively, I, I like what he's bringing to the table. He's been a lot more efficient the last couple games. You know, there was a, a period of time there he's shooting, you know, in in the mid 30s percent wise from the field. Uh, that's got to come up. You got a guy like him, a you know a volume shooter. Those percentages are naturally going to be a little bit lower, but you got to be forty percent or over. I think he's up to about thirty-nine point five now, so he's getting there. He's making progress. Um, you know, he's going to take some of those head scratchers that that Note does too. Uh, I'm okay with some of those. I'm not crazy about the ones in the mid range. He seems like a guy uh, who can really knock down the three ball, and Uh, you know, if you can't get to the rim, he's got a knack for getting to the free throw line. He leads the SEC in free throws attempted. And he's like an 85% shooter from there, Uh, man. So don't settle for that mid range jumper. Just, just get into somebody and get to the foul line or kick it out. Right. Uh, So some things to work on, but, but overall, I, I think maybe he's been better than he's gotten credit for. Michelle says Mike <laughs> likes is a little mouse running around sneaking through legs and stuff. Whatever works. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's some disadvantages that come with being, you know, a, a tiny guy like that. There's some advantages that come with it too. That low center of gravity, he can kind of get underneath people, and uh, and cause them some problems. Tyler Tober says, watched Arkansas State play Lion College last night. First of all, shout out to Lion College. They, they were in the league that I, I used to coach in. Um, love those guys. Chad Tapp was their, their head coach, is a, a buddy of mine, and he's uh, he's coaching D2 now. But he did a great job at Lion. Uh, said Desi Seals didn't look like the electric Desi we knew was sad to watch. Still love him, though. Yeah, that, that's too bad. You know, uh, we kind of saw that towards the back half of last season. Uh with Desi you know and I think early on you know he had some some really explosive games and did some great things for the Razorbacks but really the back half of the year um, you know as his role kind of changed and decreased uh, you know we didn't have that same kind of like you said the the electricity out of him he had a what, who were they playing was it South Carolina maybe where he had the breakout late in the year he hit five threes kind of went nuts and Uh, you know that was really good to see I I remember he took that really hard fall Uh, I thought he popped his shoulder out of place or broke his collarbone or something I I guess he didn't but uh, never really felt like he was the same after that I want to say was that Mississippi State or Ole Miss one of those home games early in the conference slate after that he wasn't the same but I'm glad to see him playing a a role at Arkansas State he's back home uh, which is cool I think that's great for him I think it's great for the program David Voss says, the gauntlet starts soon. Excited to see us live up to the number three SEC preseason accolade. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Yeah, I I hope they do. You know, it's interesting because the talent level in the SEC, um, about as high as it's been in several years. And there are some teams that are incredibly dangerous, uh, but, you know, we're also seeing some teams having similar hiccups uh, to what Arkansas has um, you know you look at an Alabama for example I mean there have been times where I've watched Alabama and gone Arkansas ain't nowhere near on this level right now sorry uh, but when I watched him play Gonzaga Houston I came away thoroughly impressed but I also watched him lose to Iona and I also watched him lose uh, on and off you know we watched a little bit during during timeouts and breaks last night of, of them lose to Davidson I watched the whole game where they, they lost to a, a struggling Memphis team. Uh, so, you know, they can be as good as anyone in the country, and they can really have some clunkers. And I think that kind of encapul- encapsulates a lot of teams right now. You know, Kentucky, wildly talented. Uh, they look pitiful in a loss against Notre Dame. Uh, they had some of those non-conference games, kind of like Arkansas had, where it, it felt like they slept walked through it. But then the other day, they pounded North Carolina. So... Ups and downs, and you know Auburn's kind of been the same way. LSU has been has been playing uh, maybe a little over their heads early on, but you know they've looked pretty good. But all these teams, Ole Miss lost to Samford last night. All these teams, uh, you know, have a, an incredible amount of talent and potential, uh, but they're still searching too. They're no different than Arkansas is. They're still searching, trying to find the right combinations, figuring out what works. They have good nights and bad nights. That's just part of the deal. And, you know, I think maybe we got a little bit spoiled during that, that stretch last year. Where Arkansas, they didn't lose for an entire month in February. They won, you know, going into the SEC tournament, 12 games in a row uh, in conference play. We've become accustomed to winning around here, right? So, uh, and he doesn't lose during non-conference play, typically. Musselman doesn't. Um, and so, they you know, they lose back-to-back games and we're like, whoa, what's going on? Has, has he lost his? Has he lost his magic? No, he hasn't. It's just part of the process. So, uh, I I agree. You know, I I'm I'm anxious to see how this plays out. I've said it before. I think this is going to be an SEC uh, that kind of beats up on each other at the top. You know, I I do believe that a 13 and 5 could win the SEC this year, and I think a, you know a, a 10 and 8 or 11 and 7 could put you in position to to possibly play for that double buy. Top four, get a double bye at the SEC tournament. That's how good I think this league is. There's going to be a lot of parity. Um, going to be fun to watch. Michelle says, do you think that Mus will keep some of those new faces in come SEC play because of the hunger he saw in them? <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I think that uh, you've got to get Jackson Robinson, Kamani Johnson, and Trey Wade involved when you go to Mississippi State, right? I mean, if that's the best game he feels like the team has played all year and, and they were three key parts of it, you got to find room for him. And, and, again, I don't think that means you abandon ship on, you know, Aldis Tony or, or Stanley Amude. Uh, you don't. But I, I do think that, you know, somebody else asked the question a minute ago about the short rotations. Look, like, Musk likes to have his top six, seven guys might be a situation right now where you do play nine or ten for a while until you really see who can establish themselves and and maybe you whittle it down from there but I don't think right now Arkansas has a top seven that is really uh, just kind of concrete cemented into those roles so hey what does that mean it means you kind of ride the hot hand for a while so if that's Kamani and, and Trey Wade and Jackson for a stretch that's great and then if you know all figures it out and, and he starts playing like he did early in the season then you're all the better for it but yeah i i think you gotta see him early on i think you do david voss says those older guys don't have time to mess around it's true it's really true i mean uh you come in as, as a you know a grad transfer fifth year seniors and things like that uh this is it You know, if if you want to do this for a living uh, and and have opportunities, you know, in in basketball after college, this is your final opportunity to showcase it. And, um, you know, it can it can be frustrating. I'm sure at times when things aren't going your way or, you know, you feel like you could do more or, or should be getting more opportunities. But I think you just have to control what you can control in terms of, you know, your work ethic and your attitude and your approach and just trust the 70 years of, of NBA experience on the staff that you have here at Arkansas. And and I think that Trey Wade and Kamani Johnson uh, have really been great examples of that. Guys who have, you know, waited their turn, continued to work hard, got their opportunity, took advantage of it. That's all you can ask. Gil McGarity says, people here in Mississippi think the Hogs are a joke. Coming down here and prove them wrong, Wu-Pig Sui. Yeah, I... If I was from Mississippi, whether I was a, a Rebel or a Bulldog fan, I don't I don't know that I'd be calling anybody a joke, personally. Andrew Douglas Heford says, <clears throat> "How do the physicality of our bigs? That's what we need out of that group: some intensity and a little meanness." Wayden Robinson showed uh, what needs to happen, especially in conference play. I agree. I mean it's a it's a different level, uh, different level of physicality in SEC play and a a different level of athleticism, speed. Uh, You have to elevate your play when you get into the SEC. And uh, like I said, that was something I was concerned about uh, just in terms of of rebounding, just interior defense, uh, because these guys are going to be long. Every night you're going to be playing a future draft pick in the NBA, sometimes multiple right? So are you going to be able to match that intensity uh, and, and the physicality that goes on with that? I feel a little bit better uh, about Arkansas's chances to do that than I did, you know, this time a few days ago. George Omer says, Curtis, I totally agree. Was very impressed with Wade and Kamani Johnson last night. Uh, but I don't believe they have the talent for us to be top tier SEC team. We have to get more from our more talented players. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of why I said, you know, uh, I think both those guys should have a role. Uh, I, I think they can have an impact and make this team better. Uh, but I don't think they're going to take Arkansas to the promised land, right? Uh, and you're 100% right. Aldis Tony, uh, Tony Stanley Amude, uh, those guys need to be key pieces for this team to reach its potential. Jalen Williams has got to get going a little bit. Uh, you're going to need your core guys and your impact guys. Uh, to really step up and lead you Uh, but yeah these two Johnson and Way, can absolutely have a positive impact on the team how do you think Jackson uh, held up defensively you know I I thought he was pretty good Um, he he's a young guy so he does need to add some strength um, and a little bit of you know maybe like a mean streak or a little bit more aggression out of them would be nice to see. It's something that you develop, right? You look at, you know, Trey Wade and Kamani Johnson, those are crusty old veterans, right? They're mean, they're nasty. Uh, And and so maybe he can take a page out of their book a little bit, but um, I think he does a pretty good job with his length uh, in terms of being able to defend on the ball and and contest shots, gets lost a little bit off the ball sometimes. And that's another thing you see with young players, ball watching a little bit, uh, not seeing ball and man, things like that, being a little bit late in rotations. The more he plays, the better he'll get there. I, I do think he profiles as a plus defender. Uh, but, yeah, I, I thought he was okay last night. I did. <clears throat> Brandon Brandon Dubb says, with all these people blanking <laughs> about our play, uh, how many of them will be hired as a basketball coach? Let the coaches do their job. Uh, unless you nut up and and talk crap to the team's face yeah you know um, hey everybody's got the right to voice their opinion and look nobody's above criticism right uh, you know if i don't if I don't agree with a decision that must makes it it doesn't mean i I think that I know more about basketball than him because I don't but uh, I can voice that opinion just like you know you guys can voice the opinion too but uh, you know again losing amplifies everything right and, and all of a sudden the magnifying glass is really really placed on every little detail uh, that's going on and then you know all of a sudden you win you beat a bad team by 26 last night and everybody's happy again And it's just the ebbs and flows the roller coaster of the season I'll say this um, you know I spent 15 years in St. Louis and and there you've got you know, the Cardinals and the Blues, uh, there's Mizzou, there's a lot of Illinois fans there. Uh, none of those folks hold a candle uh, to the level of intensity that the Arkansas fan base brings. Uh, you guys are crazy, absolutely nuts, and I love it. Uh, and it's, it's hilarious uh, to, to kind of sit back and look at some of the reactions from time to time, no doubt. George Ulmer says, Curtis, should we be worried about Mississippi State? <clears throat> yeah, we should. Uh, I mean, you know, they're they're pretty good. Um, similar in style in terms of they're going to be one of the longer, uh, bigger teams in the league, kind of like they were last year. I do think they're more talented uh, this season. They got Iverson Molinar back, who's a, one of the best scorers in the league, a six six wing. Um, you know, you'd like to have – a guy like Aldi's Tony who shut down uh, Cincinnati's leading scorer to be able to step up. He hasn't been playing that well defensively lately, but he's the ideal matchup you know, for a guy like Molinar. Uh, Devo's given up quite a bit of size to him, and, and then obviously J.D. would, too, so it's going to be interesting to see how they match up there. Uh, they got the Jeffries kid that transferred in, uh, Garrison Brooks from North Carolina inside, Tulu Smith is back, uh, they've got Rocket Watts from Michigan State, so not an incredibly deep team, uh, but I think their starting lineup is really good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. I would say that they will probably, they will probably be up there with, you know, one of the better teams Arkansas has faced so far and it's on the road and it's weird playing in the hump. We know that. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, going to be a big test. If Arkansas gets that dub, it's going to be a big one um uh, let's see john something says is chance more really that far behind these other guys yeah um he is you know it, it, it's tough for him he's the only freshman on a roster full of upperclassmen and you know even a guy like jackson robinson who's actually the youngest guy on the team um uh, you know he played a whole season of, of sec ball last year yeah uh, you know even a kk who was injured most of his freshman season he had all that experience, uh, you know, two off seasons now. So it, it's just a learning curve. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean he's not a talented player that he can't contribute in the future. Uh, but right now, yeah, he's, he's kind of the low man on the totem pole. Wes Derrick says, what do you think of KK's progression? Do you see him becoming a key player this season? Um, yeah, kind of, kind of touched on that earlier, but, uh, I, I think we've just didn't really know uh, much about him until last night just because he hasn't gotten a lot of opportunity. You know, he had the start, was it opening night or or maybe the second game? He earned a start. He played about nine minutes, and then, you know, after that, uh, you know, we haven't really seen him for extended minutes. Um, So, you know, getting to evaluate him last night – Again, I think there are some promising things, some things to work on. Uh, I like how he profiles as a guy that could facilitate the offense. I like what he could bring to the team as a three point shooter. Um, and I do think he can be a plus defender. Uh, probably needs to reel it in a little bit sometimes, you know he he got got a little careless, you know, just a, a stretch there. And it's not anything that any you know, nobody else on the team does because they do, but, uh, you know, had, had back-to-back real iffy passes. So, you know, just uh, just settling in a little bit and getting into a flow. And he can only do that with playing time. Um, and then I think the big thing with him right now in terms of, of staying on the floor is to stay out of foul trouble. You know, that, that's something that plagued him last year. It's something that Eric Musselman has mentioned when he's been asked about him this year. Um, you know, and I thought he was playing tough defense and, and maybe got a tough call or two, but still... Uh, When you pick up three fouls in in six minutes in the second half, you're not going to be able to stay out there that long. So you know, I I think some improvement there on on playing defense with his body and moving his feet, maybe not so much his hands, uh, that's going to benefit him quite a bit too. But do I think he can be an impact player uh, for the team this year? Uh, Yeah, I can, especially if they continue to look for answers uh, at point guard and if they're still looking for three-point shooting, um if he can continue to get opportunities and show the growth and trajectory that we've seen of other guys who are taking advantage of it like a Jackson Robinson, uh, then he could follow that same path. He's absolutely I mean it's a top fifty talent, right? <clears throat> Tana H. Jones says, What is what is Connor Nolan's role in future hand? I don't I don't know what we're talking about there. George Omer says, uh, Curtis, how does it feel now that you've been doing this for over a year? I feel pretty settled in at this point. It was, it was interesting, though. You know, I just so happened to start, you know, in the midst of this pandemic. And so, you know, learning all the tricks of the trade has been one thing. But, you know, everything was on Zoom last year. And so, you know, I'd been working here for over a year and then you know we started getting closer to the season this year and it's like okay we're gonna have uh, an in-person press conference at the at the bud walton arena media room and i'm like huh the bud walton arena media room where the hell is that i've never been there i've been to every game you know in in the past season but i've never been down there because it wasn't available to us Uh, and then going down to the you know to the press conference and being like oh hmm, I'm going to get handed this microphone. Do I need to turn it on when I get it? Uh, how does that work? You know, so it's, it's just interesting. You, you, the, you're you into this job for so long and, uh, you know, you're still learning something new every day. <clears throat> just the last week, actually, um, you know, because everything was on Zoom last year, we didn't have to record things, right, with with our camera and our equipment. Uh, and then, you know, Andrew Ellis, uh, who's been been working with us this year, who's been a huge help by the way if you're not following uh, Andrew Ellis you need to he's doing a great job Uh, but he's handled a lot of our camera work and and video and uploading and things like that and uh, it's a little bit of a process to get it set up get the audio hooked into the right spots and things Um, he's been back home with family the last couple of days so uh, I got my first dose of that just the last two days Uh, So, you know, you continue to, uh, continue to learn and and continue to grow as you're moving forward, but it's enjoyable. You know, I I think once you, once you really settle in, um, you know, there, there are pros and cons to it because there's, there's never a dull moment uh, and and you never really feel like you can relax, but it's absolutely a rush. So it's been, it's been great. Oh, oh, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about Connor Vanover. Okay. On that question or not Connor, Nolan. Hey, maybe Connor Nolan will find his way into the weekend rotation this year for the uh for Dave Van Horn. That'd be nice. But with Connor Vanover, <clears throat> you know, it's just gonna be uh matchup dependent. You know, nothing's changed with him. Started last night, played four minutes, we didn't see him again. Um I think it was actually a little bit more on him in this case than it has been in the past. Sometimes the matchups just don't dictate. He could have played against Elon, but you know, Arkansas was feeding him inside a couple times. He's having trouble backing his man down. He he missed a dunk, so um, you know didn't have a a, a real long opportunity, but uh, didn't make the most of what he had in this particular case. But listen, there are going to be times where Arkansas needs to turn to him, and he's going to be able to produce. He's been really efficient this year, uh, for the most part. And and you know when he's got a defensive assignment that he can handle, uh, he brings a lot to the table for the team. So. Yeah, you know, I think you've got that mixture of guys right now in the front court. You look at Jalen Williams, uh, who you feel like is your guy, right? And you're comfortable with that. You feel good about it. Uh, but then that, that trio of Connor Vanover, Trey Wade, Kamani Johnson, if you can have one or two of those guys every night be able to step in and, and provide you a decent amount of minutes in production, the team's going to be a lot better for it for sure. All right. right at an hour. Cool. I, I think that's going to wrap us up. It was a fun show today. I feel like there was a lot of uh, of interesting things to, to go through and talk about. Uh, really do appreciate everyone that listens in and, and supports the show. Um, I just think that's awesome. I love the comments and, and answering the questions and stuff like that. I, I, think that's, uh, I think that's what makes it pretty special. So, uh, you know, I do hope everyone's able to enjoy the holidays, have a Merry Christmas, and then really uh, you got to get geared back up quick because SEC basketball is starting. The Outback Bowl is coming up on deck, so a lot of things to be excited about. So, uh, again, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to all you guys, your families, and uh, until next time. It's been Curtis Wilkerson with Hog Sports. Thanks for listening in.